Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, editor of Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Joining me is Brendan Noonan from our communications team. We're pleased to have with us today Attorney Rich Fidei from the law firm of Kaladny Fast, Talonfeld, Karlinski Nebate, PA, with offices in Fort Lauderdale and Tallahassee, Florida. Rich is a partner with the firm and leads the firm's insurance regulatory law division. He is also an author, legal instructor, and lecturer, and we're pleased that you're able to join us today, Rich. Thank you. Great to be here, John. Today's discussion is on social media and advertising compliance within the insurance industry, and Brendan Noonan will lead off with our first question. Uh, Rich, what are some of the major issues insurers need to understand and address regarding social media and advertising compliance? Well, first, Brendan, insurers really need to plan and define the presence they want to have on social media and, based upon that, put appropriate compliance controls in place to accommodate their objectives. Really, on a basic level, insurers need to know what constitutes an advertisement. This will vary by state, and, of course, with regard to particular states, their approach will be very important. Online ads cross geographic borders which raises licensure issues that they need to be aware of. The FTC has issued some guidance related to testimonials in social media, and they need to monitor to make sure that they're being transparent with regard to testimonials. Social media basically has some different parameters that would exist related to the nature of social media as compared to other forms of advertisement. One of the key things that has been identified is static versus interactive content. And of course, static content would be posted and it sits. Interactive content would be more of the discussion discourse that occurs. Static content sometimes requires prior regulatory approval, so insurance companies need to be aware of that. Generally, interactive content by its nature is more contemporaneous, so it wouldn't necessarily have to have regulatory approval. It should be monitored, though, one way or the other. And it really just depends upon the interactions that the insurance company is going to have, the representatives they want to have involved in that from a licensure point of view, and making sure they're compliance with advertising requirements for whatever they decide to do. Uh, In your opinion, what social media site is the best one for an insurer to use? Well, really depends on their objectives. On a basic level, like any employer, if they're looking to hire employees, uh, LinkedIn is a good site for them to be involved in. If they're looking more to enhance their profile with the consuming public, uh, Facebook is a good option for that. Pinterest is growing in popularity as an online bulletin board. So it really depends a lot on what their objectives are. A lot of companies are using a variety of different resources as in an attempt to grab people's attention and that can be provide basically some good publicity and enhance their profile generally. You really have to also remember Google is a very powerful search engine and of course there's a lot of optimization that's involved in that and all of it together I think has to be part of a very well-defined package of initiatives that the company would engage in for their social media presence. Uh, Rich, can a tweet be considered an advertisement by insurance regulators? That's really a great question, and I I actually spoke at an event, and that question was asked me during that event. And really the answer to it is it really depends on the content of the message 
and not the medium that's being used. And that will determine whether the message is considered to be an advertisement. Insurance companies should be careful with Twitter because they only have 140 characters to work with. And if it is an advertisement, there might be state laws that have certain requirements with regard to advertisements. Some of those state laws may or may not accommodate Twitter and other types of social media with regard to their parameters. So as an example, they may have advertising rules that apply to the standard type of advertising media that has been used in the past, but not necessarily some of the different ways that social media is used. So they need to be aware of the different rules that might apply and make sure that they're reviewing them for purposes of any nuances that may apply to social media. They also need to be very careful to monitor and understand and train their agents so that from that perspective, these are people who are not employees. They may have a number of people within their offices. There could be a lot of issues in terms of how they're using social media, uh, including Twitter. Rich, has there been any research done on return on investment in social media? No, John, not really that I've seen. I've seen anecdotal reports of insurers and information concerning their sales and correlations with social media. We certainly see a lot of anecdotal information about some insurance companies in particular and their use of social media and how they're managing it. I think to some extent, at this point at least, there's a lot of good information that would identify brand awareness type issues related to social media, but not so much that you could look at and say we have reliable data concerning the bottom line. Uh, Rich, what kind of prizes can agents give away on Facebook or other sites before they're considered rebates? Well, it really depends upon the state law, but I think as a general rule, you can expect that you really can't give away very much, and it's a very low amount. Every state has an unfair insurance trade practice law. The NEIC has a model law that they developed in a lot of states. Most states have adopted substantial portions of that law, and they provide certain thresholds that would apply. Florida, as an example, under its law, the value of any particular giveaway cannot exceed $25. So the insurance company needs to be very careful to make sure that they're monitoring those activities. It's certainly something they have to be aware of with regard to their agents because you could probably go out onto the web and pretty easily find a lot of information that's on websites of agents that may or may not be an issue with regard to giveaways and other types of inducements for insurance. And the trade practice laws are intended to really control that type of activity. Have any social media issues been litigated with respect to insurers and advertising? Well, there has been some, John, but really not as much as you might expect. Typically, the issues are related to advertisements and what is an advertisement and particular issues that might exist concerning representations that are made by insurance companies. And of course, that can occur in any type of media, including social media. Issues concerning possibility of deceptive advertisements, promises that aren't kept, and consumer confusion are areas where, you know, I think we're probably going to see more and more litigation. And it's really because there's, it's so pervasive that as time goes on, I just think that it's likely that there's going to be more disputes that arise, more issues that arise, more complaints that uh, are related to the media itself. Uh, you know, generally our litigators have noticed the trend where the parties to litigation are now requesting as part of discovery the information that might have been generated with regard to social media. So you're seeing from a litigation context more and more use of 
the information that's on social media to investigate, find out information about folks, also in connection with discovery. So I really expect that as time goes on, uh, there's going to be more issues raised with regard to litigation. And I also think it's going to be an issue with regard to insurance company market conduct matters that occur at the Department of Insurance level and investigations related to particular complaints that might be filed with departments of insurance. Uh, Rich, if a proactive company develops a social media policy, what are some of the components of a good policy? Brendan, there's a number of them that you would really need to consider. I'll, I'll name a couple of them that I think are significant touch points. And really, when we started off, I, I mentioned this at the beginning, but as with any initiative, the company has to define its social media presence, meaning this is what they intend to enforce with regard to their policy and, and, and in essence, initiate with regard to their presence on social media. I think it's also very, very important that they have designated employees who are responsible for managing whatever it is that they decide to do on social media. So it's not a free-for-all for everybody in the shop. It's, you know, a certain number of folks or one person or whoever is designated as the manager of that particular initiative. I think that it's pretty clear that for any type of static content that may be considered to be an advertisement, at the very least, that needs to be approved within the company. And if it is an advertisement, under the laws of certain states, it has to be approved by the State Department of Insurance. And that may, that really relates to the line of business the company has and parameters regarding the state's laws concerning what is an advertisement and what is it that has to be approved. And not everything that you do on social media has to be approved, but there is certain types of content that would have to be approved. I also think that it's really important for the company to initiate appropriate training of its employees, and I think that's important not only initially, but also on an ongoing basis. Social media is such a flowing, evolving type of media that, in my mind, it's something that needs to be done regularly. You have to think about not only the company's employees, but uh, the company needs to think about others who are out there potentially acting as the face of the company. And the first that comes to mind would be the agents of the company and making sure that those folks are properly trained. In addition, a lot of companies have third-party vendors who will do some or all of their work. Some of it's outsourced, in essence, and I think there has to be appropriate training related to that. Regardless of however the company intends to use it, I think it's important that they have a system in place to monitor what's happening so that it's more than just saying, here's our policy. They really need to make sure that they're constantly monitoring what's going on so that they're catching anything that may be inappropriate. They also need to make sure that they have a very robust record retention policy related to this. Uh, there can be issues that are particularly important with regard to management of records having the ability to retrieve records if necessary with regard to litigation, a consumer complaint, or a Department of Insurance investigation. So record retention is very important, and that can be an especially difficult task when you think about the agents and the number of people who might be in the agent's office who ultimately may be tweeting, texting, emailing with people, engaging in other types of social media activities. So the company really needs to take a, you know, a very broad approach to implementing a policy that's going to handle all of that and, and make sure that it's something that is controlled in an appropriate way. 
you know, other issues that can exist would be the privacy of consumer information, the confidentiality of company information or information of other third parties that need to be properly controlled, and any social media policy would have to make sure that it is addressing those types of issues. And really, the last key point I would say is you have to have a policy, you have to train, you have to monitor, and it's extremely important that you also enforce it. So it's got to be a dynamic process where the insurance company has basically identified all of the important touch points and then set up a mechanism to enforce the policy so that it's not just some shallow piece of paper that is out there for compliance purposes per se, but does not necessarily provide for you know, a robust review and enforcement of, of any issues that might arise. Thanks so much for joining us today, Rich. Absolutely. It was great to be here, and I appreciate it. That was Richard Day from the law firm of Colony Foss, Talonfeld, Karlinski, Nebate, PA, with offices in Florida. Special thanks to Brendan Noonan from our communications team and to our producer, Brian Cohen. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, visit podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com or go to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. If you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast.ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, joined by Brendan Noonan, and now this message. Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non-insurance companies, third-party administrators, and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our comprehensive reference guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AMBES listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed, those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there's no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys, visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com. 